I could just come back now. I could just do it. I had the microphone on. So uh, there we go. So uh, we are back, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads. We are back. You're listening to Comedy Schools Radio Network.com. My name is Tony Visick. Uh, we're going to do something cool right now. Uh, and this is, uh, this is one of the main reasons I decided I want to do this because I get to talk to so many wonderful and interesting people. And, we have, and me. And you. And we, we have one of them on the line right now. Uh, and uh, this is part of a, um, uh, this is almost like a salon thing, Jeff, because this is a series. We're doing a series. All right, I just, first off, I got to introduce. So on the line, the man who just said, and me, is none other than a television producer, screenwriter, and novelist, Jeff Abagov. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Tony. And what we're doing, uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to add, and hello, Cheryl, if you're there. She's, uh, she's here. This thing would not be on right now. She, you, she just said, hey, Jeff. So, Hi, Turner. Hi. Okay, so um, uh, we're doing a series of conversations with you over, uh, we've already done a couple over the next several weeks, because I think, A, I think you're uh, uh, one of the most uh, bright and intelligent and entertaining guys I've run across in my career, or even in my non-career. Uh, also, um, uh, you got a lot to say and you've done a lot of cool stuff and a lot of people who listen to this show, listen specifically to, uh, not just to be entertained, but damn it, to be informed about people who have trod the path they are about to go on. So, and I'm still an informer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so I don't know, I don't know, now that I've said all that, I don't know if you want to hang up. Um, <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit. Well, of, the pressure's certainly on. Yeah. Well, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, uh, let me tell everybody out there a little bit about Jeff. If you don't know, Jeff uh, uh, has been a television writer and producer. He's worked on shows. He's worked on Cheers. He's worked on Roseanne. He's worked on uh, Grace Under Fire. He worked on. Was it The Rock that you worked on with Charles Dutton? Was that the? Um, it's called Rock. Rock. Okay. Rock. He worked on Rock. Um, you did a movie, and uh, your titles always tongue-tie me. But uh, you did a movie. It was, was it The Mating Habits of Earthbound? What was the name? The of, mate, go ahead. The Mating the mating Habits of the Earthbound Human. The Mating Habits of the Earthbound Human. Yes. Carmen Electra, David Hyde Pierce, Mackenzie Aspen. You know, the casting alone, to get David Hyde Pierce, who a uh, great comedic actor, but a very sort of highbrow type individual. And then Carmen Electra. To put those two on, on, uh, within the same frame, that had to be fun. It was. It was. They're actually not technically in the same frame. David's the narrator. The premise of the movie is um, it's done as one of those um, nature films you'd see on Discovery Channel, Nature Fact channel um but as if made by aliens for other aliens about humans so we are the animals being watched and observed and david (laughs) is the narrator now can i uh go ahead and base and doesn't quite get it so (laughs) can i how can i see can i still see that film can i access it is it on yeah it's I, i know it's on amazon um I think it's on Netflix still. It was for a long time. I'm not sure. Netflix often changes. Um, but I know it's on Amazon. So, all right. So you did that film. You've also written two novels, not one, 
but two. The first one was yep. uh, um, zombies versus aliens versus vampires versus dinosaurs. Correct. And I should get some sort of little gold star in the refrigerator because um, I got that all out. I, you know what? Everybody else can say it. Everybody else I know say it. It, it like tongue ties me. I get tongue tied and twisted. I go, it's an alien. It's vamp. It's it's dogs or, and cats. Or, or you could do what other talk show hosts do and write it on a little index card. How do you think I got it properly this time? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and your other book, uh, which I have in front of me, is uh, Time Travel for Love and Profit 2. Published novels. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you. You said something to me uh, in a, a private conversation. I'm not. This is not an embarrassing thing, by the way. I know you're sitting on what? What did I say? Uh, in a private conversation that I really wanted to focus on today, um, we were talking about we were talking about process. We were talking about writing, and you were telling me about your day. And you said at some point you go at four o'clock. You wanted to get up. You said, no, I'm going to keep my ass in this chair for another two hours. And I yeah. thought, if anyone's going to give anyone advice about writing long form, whether it's going to be novels or screenplays or, or uh, uh, television shows, that the advice has to be you put your ass in a chair at a certain time and you don't get up from that chair until a certain time. Yeah. And that, it kind of, it was just, I didn't say it at the time, I went, oh, because everybody's going, what's the secret? What's the key? How do you get in? How do you, how do you get over? How do you get under? Who do you have to do? This and that. And I thought, there is the most important thing I've ever heard about writing. You go, I'm going to write. You sit your ass in a chair and you don't get up until an appointed time. Well, yeah. I mean, there's two reasons to write. I mean, there's many. But to break, to oversimplify, overgeneralize, either for fun or as a job. And if it's for fun, have fun, you probably won't finish a novel, a screenplay, or whatever. It just, it's too big. If it's for fun, who cares if you don't finish it? Just write it when it's easy, then move on. That's why I, like, admire songwriters writing a three-minute thing, or a joke writer. I mean, you could just wait for... Actually, I shouldn't even talk about being a joke writer, because I don't know that, or a songwriter. But if it's a job, you've got to treat it like a job, if that's what you want. If you want it as a career, you have to treat it like a job, and you say, okay, I work from this hour to this hour. Um... And you do. I mean, if you had a job with a boss, you wouldn't just say, eh, I don't feel like working today, boss. It's one thirty. I'm take. I'm going out for a walk. Um, so that, that's basically it. So let me. So let me ask you this. So you know, I think that, that's fantastic advice. Um, I uh, set myself a goal of writing X amount of jokes a day. I go. I'm gonna. And it, I think the biggest impediment for most people who want to write, uh, I talk to people about the three P's. And the three P's are uh, perfectionism, procrastination, paralysis. It's got to be good. <laughs> I it's, like that. Yeah, yeah. I like that. You know, so people, I, so I'll run into that with people who want to do my workshop or do a seminar. They'll go, well, I really want to do it. But, you know, right now uh, uh, the, the, the dog's sick. And, and also we got tickets to uh, go see a, a badminton tournament. And so when the time is right, time is right. We, it's got to be the perfect time. So I'm just putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. You don't do anything. So um, 
Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I, I said, look, if you're going to do it, you have to start and then you have to create a certain amount of habits. How you tell me if you agree with this, how you begin in any endeavor, a writing endeavor, a, a professional career, how you begin will inform the rest of it. You're either going to be uh, following the good habits that you created at the beginning or you're going to be fighting the bad habits you created at the beginning. I completely agree with a slight caveat. Okay. Because like when I said, just keep your ass in the chair. Yeah. I'm, and I might have slight. First of all, again, if anyone's taking this advice, everyone's different. Um, before I get to what I'm about to say, I know a guy, very successful screenwriter. His goal is to write one perfect page a day. If he gets that perfect page in 20 minutes, he's done. If it takes him 20 hours, he's done. So by the time he's had his first draft, his second draft takes very little time. Now, I could never write that way. I typically write my first drafts fast and sloppy. And then my second and third and multiple drafts take a long time. That's just to illustrate how everyone's different. I don't even understand how he does that. But that's how he does it. In terms of the three Ps, which I love, by the way, I'd also say no, kind of no, you're saying don't have any bad habits, which is great, maybe more difficult for some than others. Yeah, yeah. I'd say know your bad habits. So when I say keep your ass in the chair, I don't, I, I'll say, let's say, every day I must write six hours a day, six days a week. Now, I do procrastinate. I'm a big believer in procrastination. So if, let's say, I say, okay, I'm going to start by, at 9, and I'll stop at 3, but I procrastinate for two hours. I'm starting at 11. I don't get to stop till 5. Okay, all right. That's just something I built into. But if I say 6 hours, it's 6 hours. Let me ask you this, okay? So moving along on that. So, you know, look, you're right. You know, I, I tell people, I go, uh, I go, find out what you are and be it. And people go, what do you mean? And good, good advice, too. Yeah, I say, look, if you're a procrastinator, just be a great procrastinator. If you know, <laughs> if you know that you're not going to do things till the last minute and try as you may, you're not going to do things to the last minute. Stop beating yourself up for doing things at the last minute, but make sure that you make that last minute count. You know, although don't not, I agree, but don't knock beating yourself up, beating yourself. OK, so here's. When I'm starting a new pro- a project, especially on a, pro- a project for hire that's on a de- that's on an actual deadline, yeah, because uh, my books aren't, and I've learned over the years um, that my first day is usually pretty bad. Um, so as I started to realize this, on uh, my first day was pretty bad. I go, oh, that doesn't matter. It's my first day is always bad, and I wouldn't really try that hard. And then the next day would be really bad. No, what I realized was my first day of trying is really bad. For some reason, I have to go like, I'm terrible. I suck. This is awful. I have to like put myself through that process to like get through this door where all the magic happens. So, all right. So now, so let, let me ask you this. So that, again, every, yeah. again, don't get people, folks, don't take that as advice. The general advice is everyone's different. Just know yourself. I think you're right. And, and the other piece of general advice would be that eventually just do it. I mean, I don't want to sound like a, a mm-hmm. Nike commercial, but 
If you if you want to be a writer, I also tell people, like you said, the first day is terrible. You you write your first draft uh, uh, fast and sloppy. Uh, it doesn't have to be great. You just have to do it. I go, you cannot improve something that doesn't exist. So you have to put some. Right. Of the, of the 10, and when I tell people, I go, people go, how do you come up with a bunch of good jokes? I go, here's here's the math. And and it's not provable, or maybe it's provable, I don't know, but it makes sense and no one really questions. I go, do you want to come up with 10 good jokes? And they go, yes. I go, write 100 jokes. It's about a 10%. It's about a 10, once you learn how to do it. You know, right. and so you you want to get. I tell people you want to get in the habit of writing several jokes a day and not really caring if they're any good. Because once you write mm-hmm. them, you can go. This is a good joke. This is a terrible joke. This joke could be fixed, and you never throw any of that away because the joke that you wrote that you went, this is terrible. It makes no sense. You'll be driving down the road three months later, and you go, Oh, I know how to make that work. And if you throw yeah. it away, you go back and you go through your notes or whatever, and you can't find it, and you go, "What exactly was it?" So here's the next thing. Well, just to go ahead. pile on to that. Yeah. Um, your first draft doesn't have to be good. None of your drafts, only one of your, only your last draft has to be good, and your last draft has to be great. Every draft prior to that, keep going. All right, so I want, I want to ask you a little bit about moving from process to profession. Um, okay. So, and you've, uh, you've functioned at, at all different levels of the profession. You've been a staff writer, uh, and, you've mm-hmm. act, and you've actually ran shows. So mm-hmm. you've worked for people, and even when you're running shows, you're working for someone, you're working for the network, you're working for the production company, I'm assuming, correct? Right. Okay, yeah. so but but you're like you're like the the field general in a sense. You've got an Eisenhower and you're Patton. So uh, uh, what did what, no what, more more like more like your Eisenhower and the studio and the network are Churchill and Roosevelt. Hey, hey, uh, good, good. Like good. you're you're in charge of the thing, but then there's people who don't really do what you do. That you're answering to. That's is that is that's what strike me as one of the most difficult things. Um, that you've you've got a product, you've got a show, and you go, this is going to be killer. And then people who don't do what you do and have achieved their positions not by doing what you do, but through uh, other things that are just as legitimate, you know, business, create uh, corporate, whatever. Now give a massive amount of notes. How do you handle that? Oh, different ways, and a lot of it <laughs> comes down to clout. If you're um, really big, you just ignore it. If you're brand new, you just make of it. And if you're somewhere in between, you fight them. So in uh, uh, William Goldman's book, uh, Adventures in the Screen Trade, uh, he, he talked about, and he didn't mention the uh, star in this particular story, but I, I pretty much read between the lines that it may have been Robert Redford because Goldman worked with Redford uh, a couple, a few different times. Uh, talked about how there would be a killer line or a killer scene and all of a sudden in the middle of rehearsing the scene or while the stars in the screenplay, they'd go, and the line would be being said by a, um, um, a featured player or, a, or someone you know who's not the star and he'd go, that line just doesn't seem to work, man doesn't work and, and Goldman knew exactly what was going on and he knew that the line was great 
And he go, yeah, I guess we should take it out. Or maybe if someone else said it, and they go, yeah, but like who? Go, well, like you? Oh, yeah. If I said, <laughs> did you? Do you? Did you? Would you encounter those sort of things in your work? Did you? It's the um, di- diplomacy I, of take of getting people to their best. Isn't that what a lot of running a show is? Sometimes is that you have to be diplomatic about people. So resist being good or great. It's a weird thing I begin to notice. No more, no place have people resisted me more than when I'm trying to help them achieve what they say are their dreams. Isn't diplomacy a big part of it? Diplomacy, well, diplomacy is a huge part of it in, in terms of both executives and actors. And if it's a TV your show, if you're running a TV show, a director, um, it's always better to get a person, and probably in life, to get a person to decide on their own to do what you want them to do than to tell them to do what you want them to do. That's kind of what the movie Inception's about at its core. But it's getting someone like, hey, I need you to do this, and you should want to do this, but if I just say do it, you're going to resist. So, yeah, I, diplomacy is huge. What was the, uh, if you don't mind, what was the first show you ran where you went from, you know, uh, working on the show? Rock. To, rock. That was the rock. first show yeah. you ran. All right, so let me yeah. ask you this. So you get the job. I don't know how you got the job. If you came in and you filled out an application, sat in a plastic chair with like 30 people, <laughs> like at the, at the employment office they always call it the unemployment office but you're already unemployed you don't need an office for that no, basically <laughs> I was uh, part, you know, part of the senior staff of Roseanne I was uh, supervising producer on Roseanne um, the original we were like such a giant hit at the time and um, the only reason I would leave that situation um, was to run my own show and so people wanted to hire me to do that. And this one came along. It was good. It was created by Stan Daniels, who I'm a big fan of. Um, and it just seemed like a great situation. But now they pursued me. So you take the job. You can't really, you can't really pursue a showrunner okay. job. All right. All right. You don't, you don't pursue it. You, 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 you have to kind of earn it. Either you work your way up on a show or... Um, People somewhere else see you and say, hey, let's get that guy. So the day you got it, did you, did you go home? Oh, so let me ask you this. <laughs> I can give you two examples. All right. The day you got mm-hmm. it, were you like Julie Andrews singing in The Sound of Music? Or were you like Alec Guinness at the end of Bridge Over River Kwai? Were you swinging, singing or were you going, oh, my God, what have I done? Was it elation or anxiety? Uh, first elation, then anxiety. Yeah. And then get to work to get rid of both of them. (laughs) 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 But I'll tell you, after I got my first cheer script, um, which was just a freelance episode, I went, and it was also my first job. I went in, pitched a bunch of ideas. They picked one and said, okay, write that. And I went home, drove home, kind of in a daze, got into my apartment and threw up. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, there was this like just sub, 
And I wasn't aware of what I was feeling <coughs> till much later, but there was just this, there was a subconscious thing is your life has completely changed. Yeah. On yeah. this day. So that you went home and so you were then commissioned, for lack of a better word, to write an yeah. episode of Cheers. Did they film that episode then? They made that episode? Yes, they did. Yeah. Wow. It was the one where Diane um, takes up dancing, ah. takes up ballet. You know, that, was, that, was, that show was on television when uh, all of, you know, when all of America or the majority of uh, uh, people in America would watch a particular show. And we have one of the things I think may be lost in society today. I don't know, but it seems to be are those um, even if they're just fun cultural touchstones like shows like Cheers that the majority of people watch that people didn't watch were even if you didn't watch it, you were aware of who Sam and Diane were. You know, right. and uh, uh, that is so cool that you, you you wrote your first thing and they they shot it. I want to ask you this: We're gonna. Well, by the way, typically, um, <laughs> it's very rare for um, a TV show that TV script that's been bought is thrown out. I mean, even if one comes in bad, you spent the money, and if you have if you throw it out, you have to cut something else from their budget. So typically the writers just rewrite it. Okay. Okay. Uh, so it almost, so pretty much they all, the only ones that don't get shot are more for like political reasons. Like someone comes along and says, Oh, we just can't do that. So the act of making it better, that it is um, irrelevant. Okay. You know, there's so much information. People always ask, um, uh, how do I move from, this point to that point, and you have uh, so much. You have so much valuable information about how to go from sitting in your home in the city that you live in, and then deciding that you want to do something in in the uh, creative arena. You know, and uh, you know, and I without. I hope you will. You have you create for all the right reasons. You create because um, you have little choice but to. Uh, some people, once they're finished, uh, I know people that once they're, they're out of television, they uh, either fortunately live off of what they made and do nothing else or uh, uh, bitterly struggle along uh, in some other area. But you, um, you, cre you create because you want to. That's the only reason that a man can get up at 10 o'clock in the morning in his apartment staring at the ocean and go, I'm going to sit here for six to eight hours and write. You have so much good information about that. Uh, I want to ask you one other thing. Yeah, but thing. I always wonder, when someone says they don't do anything, I always wonder what that is. Uh, I, like can tell you, you, I can tell you sometime. What is not doing anything? <laughs> what? <laughs> I can tell you sometime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you work hard. You know that. I, you work harder than I do. You know, there's some days I look up and go, what have I... I'm like Alec Guinness and Bridge of River Kwai going, what have I done? Because there's like five things that I... The thing for me is nothing that I do requires more than two hours. Like I've got, but I've got deadlines on, on business emails that have to be sent out today. And if they don't get sent out, it, it costs us money. But I, I, it's, 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 it's a business. I don't want to say of a thousand cuts, but it's a business of a thousand cuts, but you have to make, you have to do every one of them. And then at the end of the day, you go, all right, we did well. We accomplished something. We created something. Uh, we made uh, we made enough money to keep us in uh, dill pickles for another weekend. I want to ask you this: uh, What is as a showrunner? As a showrunner, 
or you could even answer this from the perspective of someone who's working on a show. What is the biggest mistake that you see people who are working for you do where you go, I might have to replace this individual? Um, well, first off, personally on the shows I've run, I've never fired a writer. So okay. um, that hasn't come up. But I would say, I think I'm going to be answering your question. I'd say if you're not the showrunner and you're a writer on staff, the best thing you could do is figure out what the showrunner wants and give it to him. If he has slapstick taste and you don't like slapstick, um, you want to move up, give him slapstick. Uh, odds are you wouldn't be on that show if he likes slapstick and you don't because <laughs> your prior scripts wouldn't show that you like slapstick. But if let's, I'm just using an extreme example. Um, like it's in the way a movie is the director's vision and everyone on the movie is there to use their particular talents to help fulfill the director's vision. Um, a TV show is the showrunner's vision. You know, I, I, uh, I don't have the experience, but I, I, um, I couldn't agree more. I have known a couple of people in my life who, um, have lost their job because they thought their job was to tell the showrunner what they were doing wrong. You know, uh, the, the one told me, he goes, well, I and the only time in there, that comes up sometimes, because especially as you're more senior, your job is somewhat to argue, but you're not supposed to argue taste. It's like, if let's say you don't like slapstick, the showrunner loves slapstick, um, somebody else pitches a slapstick joke that for whatever reason, and everyone laughs, but for whatever reason, the showrunner doesn't like it. And you, know, and you somehow feel, yes, no, I know you would like it. You're just not seeing it. This is exactly the kind of thing you would like. That, you know, then you argue, but not, you know, depending on who's listening today, not in your first year. Gotcha. In your first year, pitch, 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 get the lay of the land, and eventually, if you're there long enough, you'll figure it out. Good. Good stuff, man. Listen. But, uh, but I think it's the same as, you know, you, know, you have um, your comedy stand-up students, who I know a lot of stand-ups start off write, writing jokes for bigger stand-ups. So if you're writing for a certain stand-up, you've got to give that guy or girl the jokes they would do, not the jokes you would do. Yeah. It's the same kind of principle. And by the way, who doesn't like slapstick? So, um, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan. You know, you know all right, so I, I, the next time we talk, and I, I'm probably going to see you next week because I'm going to be in your neck of the woods for a short period of time. So we're not doing the show okay. next week. But the week after, uh, we'll, we'll speak again. I, uh, I want to talk more. I want to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, but I also want to talk about... Uh, the different types of humor and how you go about creating those different types of humor. But I do want to mention this. Okay. And I'm going to mention this. Uh, 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 I think it was so cool. Cause you told me the other day that you got recognized and you got recognized for writing books that someone approached you that you were, you were walking through a mall and someone came up and just said to you real quick, they go, did you write, 
time travel for love and profit. And they said yes, and they actually had a copy of your book. And I thought, well, you told me that. I thought that was just the coolest thing. It wasn't like, aren't you the bass player for Motley Crue? Like, <laughs> being recognized for writing a book, I think... No, that is really cool. Proves, that is very cool. I think it proves uh, just how good of a writer you are and how good your books are. Uh, and I also think Thank it must you. be weird to come home some night and flip on the TV and, you know, not know what channel it's on, just flip it on and go, oh, there, I wrote that. Huh, what else is on? So- <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I got to tell you, there's a period when yeah. I was like in film school. Yeah. That was kind of my goal. My goal wasn't even like that first cheer script, even though Cheers wasn't on yet. But that first thing or that second thing, it was like to get so complacent with it that I see something on its mind and go exactly what you said. <laughs> I just say one night I, I, I did, I did a few television shows as a standup uh, back in the day. And one night I came home from, uh, I think doing a set at the Melrose improv, but it was, it was, you know, I, I was getting those good sets, like, you know, 1245 uh, in the afternoon, no at night. And uh, <laughs> I came home, I flipped on the TV and I was on a TV and I went, and I, it is in VHS days. And I looked and went, is there a VHS? And it wasn't. And it was actually a Showtime thing I'd done. And I, and That's it, cool. It was an odd moment. I go, it's just. Oh, no, the first time, the first time you see your, your work by accident is incredibly thrilling. Because the first time you see it, it's on purpose. First yeah. time you do something, it's like, when's it on? When's it on? When's it on? Um, Got to be there. Set the VCR, et cetera, et cetera. And you, you keep doing that. I typically do that. Um, but. Um, the first time you see it by accident is a really cool moment. Well, we're going to talk about all that and more. I want to remind people that um, uh, you have two two novels out, and uh, especially as uh, as we're entering into the uh, summer vacation season, if people are looking for good reads and they go on vacation, we want to highly recommend. Uh, if you want to see his stuff on television, just flip around, and you'll you'll see his stuff on television. But if you want to read one of his novels. Uh, they are zombies, aliens versus vampires versus dinosaurs, and time travel for love and profit. Both really good, fun, intelligent reads, and that's rare to have an intelligent and fun read. So uh, we want to tell people that, and they can find those books on Amazon, Amazon.com. Amazon. Type in my name or type in the title. And later on, uh, once we get uh, once we get this show all prepared. And it's downloaded on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com and on my Facebook page, etc. We'll also have the information there for everyone. Jeff, it's always fun talking to you, either in person. It always is. Either in person, when we're just shooting the bull uh, late at night, when we're talking to each other about all sorts of things, or uh, uh, in this forum as well. I'll see you next week in L.A., and I'll talk to you uh, two weeks from today here on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. Okay, thank you. All right, pal. Bye-bye. There are, um, there are people you encounter in life who... There's some people you talk to them and say, hey, hi, how are you? I, I have good friends where it's, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. And, and that's it. Okay? And then there's people who you just, the more you talk to them, the more you want to uh, get ideas out and the more you want to ask them questions... And I have sat and talked to that guy for literally four or five hours. Just sat and talked for four or five hours. You know, just a, a great guy to talk to. So full of uh, good information and a, and a decent human being and creative and funny. And that's about the rarest combination you find 
in this business or any other. Okay, you know what? I think we should wrap up. We got a full day ahead of us, you and I. Uh, you're going to download the show. I'm going to prepare for tonight's show. We got a lot. You know what? We get to do fun stuff. We get to f do fun stuff from uh, traveling to New York City to doing podcasts to doing shows like the one we're doing tonight at the Tempe Center for the Arts, Class Clowns. Buy tickets. Come down and check out this show. A lot of shows to choose this weekend. I hope you choose that one. We get to do fun stuff. We want you to participate for my producer, who just happens to be my wife, Shirley Lovisic. And for my staff, which currently uh, my radio staff consists of our dogs, Chica and Roscoe. I want to thank you for listening. I'll be back two weeks from today. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.